Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to talk about how to find biblical truths and biblical strength for difficult relationships, difficult people in our lives. Before we dive into that, I wanted to remind you that our Set Apart conference is coming up the first weekend of June. If you can't join us in person in Colorado, we would love to have you join us via simulcast anywhere you are in the world. This is a wonderful opportunity to gather women together and rally around the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. You can go to setapartgirl.com to learn more, and if you do register for a simulcast, you'll have access to the sessions for the rest of 2021. I also wanted to remind you that there are still some discipleship training programs available in 2021 at Ellerslie. We have a week-long program in August and a five-week program in the fall. So even though our summer program is full, if you are looking for a season to come away and become grounded in truth and just focus on Jesus Christ, it is truly a life-changing experience. So we'd love to have you go to ellerslie.com to learn more about the programs in 2021 that you can plug into. Let's dive into finding strength, finding truth to apply to difficult relationships in our lives. There is such a temptation in difficult relationships when people are in our life, whether it's an acquaintance, a coworker, a family member, to just focus so much on the negatives of that relationship, to really magnify the other person's shortcomings, and to give up hoping that they're ever going to change. It's such a bait to respond to them the way that they treat us. I know for me that whenever I encounter someone who is just rude or insensitive, I am so tempted oftentimes to respond in the same spirit. And yet there is a more victorious road that God asks us to take all throughout the Bible. And it requires the enabling grace of God, but it is something that leads to health and wholeness and healing versus a breakdown of relationships in our life. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So many of times I have had a harsh reply or a rude reply on the edge of my lips, and God will remind me of this verse, and I'll choose to give a gentle answer instead. And it's so amazing how that can diffuse a situation that could easily spiral into a pretty heated discussion or a lot of tension. It's just amazing how when we respond in the spirit of Christ, it takes the whole conversation or the whole encounter in a completely different direction, a much healthier direction. And Romans 12, 21 says, we are not to be overcome by evil, but that we can overcome evil with with good. You know, we tend to, in our own human reasoning, think that if evil is being promoted against us, that if we respond in the same spirit, in the same attitude, we can somehow triumph over that evil. But really, the only thing that is going to triumph over evil and darkness is good, the light of Jesus Christ shining into those relationships. And then in 1 Peter 3, 8, it says, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, and be courteous. Now, these are some of the most difficult commands in scripture to actually apply to our daily lives. It's easier, I think, to apply a lot of the other bigger commandments of God to our daily lives. But when it comes to just everyday difficult relationships, these verses are very hard to live out. There was a book I read by Amy Carmichael where she talked a lot about how to deal with difficult relationships, and her insights were so powerful. She said this, Is it not a strength to remember that when we feel our patience wearing thin, that patience towards others is a gift to be had? We can easily get to the end of our own sweetness of spirit, but not to the end of God's. One of my dear friends wrote these words, 
Anoint mine eyes with eye salve, mighty Savior, as through this wonder world of thine I stray. Let not in my soul's gesture or behavior obstruct sweet glimpses of thyself today. And then she continues, if we pray that prayer truly, we shall not by little acts of careless rudeness make it harder for others to see the Lord Jesus. And if anyone is inclined to think that rudeness and honesty run together or politeness and insincerity, I will tell you what I have found. The strongest, bravest, truest people I ever knew were or are the most gentle mannered. Good manners are not among the things that do not matter. Can we imagine our Lord Jesus ever being rude? Love looks upon the low things. Love is kind to common things for love loves the unlovable. Wow, what a powerful reminder to ever imagine the Lord Jesus ever being rude. That kind of answers a lot of questions about how we should be behaving in our daily lives. And yet, as I mentioned before, in order to have that gentleness of spirit that responds with gentleness and love instead of rudeness and anger when we encounter people who are acting that way, that requires the enabling grace of God. And as I've mentioned so many times on this podcast, grace is so much more than the hug of God or the favor of God. It's the enabling strength to live out what he calls us to live. He can do it through us. We cannot do it in our own strength. I have found that in our modern Christian culture, there is a false honesty that is oftentimes promoted in Christian circles, whether it's on social media or in small group discussions, where we have the idea sometimes that it is more spiritual to be raw and real with our frustrations and our emotions towards difficult people. And so it's actually seen as a good thing at times to vent our frustrations towards others on a social media platform or in a small group discussion. We're throwing other people under the bus. We're focusing on their negatives. We're focusing on how frustrated we are. And a lot of times when we do that, we're applauded by the Christian world that that says, oh, thank you for your honesty. But that is not actually honorable honesty. That is not the kind of honesty that God calls us to. God can do a powerful work in our most difficult relationships when we are willing to take a different approach, not to just vent our frustrations towards that person on social media or to other people in our life, but to take those cares and concerns to God, to lay those things at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, what is your purpose for this difficult relationship and how can I shine your light into the midst of this situation? How can I be an example of you so that I'm not responding the way the enemy wants me to respond, the way my flesh wants me to respond, but the way you want me to respond? And when we have that approach, God can start to do incredible miracles in our most difficult relationships. Just this week, I read a couple of really inspiring stories, stories I've heard before, but they kind of came to light for me in a whole new way recently. The first one was a story from If I Perish by Esther On Kim, this young woman, Korean Christian woman who was persecuted and imprisoned for six years because of her faith in Jesus Christ. The way that she treated her prison experience was so different, I think, than the way most of us would naturally be inclined to treat a prison experience. She was being tortured. She was freezing cold. She was starving. She was sick. And yet she saw every other prisoner and every other guard in that place as an opportunity, a mission field to shine the light 
light and the love of Christ. And there was one woman who was put in the next cell to her that was insane and she was filthy and she would just scream and curse all day and all night. And she was sentenced to death for murdering her husband. So she was very despised by anyone who came in contact with her. But Esther on Kim, the author of this book, talks about how she felt so burdened and so compelled to show the love and the kindness of Jesus Christ to this woman who was so hopeless and so hated. And so she asked for the woman to be transferred into her cell. She sat up with her through the night. She spoke words of life and truth to her. And even as this woman spit on her and mocked her and cursed at her, she just continued to love and showcase the light of Jesus Christ. And eventually, because of her relentless pursuit of this woman with the love of Christ, the woman gradually regained her sanity and became interested in the things of God and actually gave her life to Jesus and was completely transformed before she was executed. Now, that is something, a miracle that only God can do, and it can only happen when we're willing vessels to say, I'm not going to listen to my flesh, my emotions, my frustrations, or the voice of the enemy here. I am going to say, Lord, work through me as a vessel. May I be your hands and your feet in this difficult relationship so that you can work a miracle. There was another story I read in the book Tramp for the Lord by Corey Ten Boom about a man in Africa who was a very happy, outward evangelistic Christian man. He had a wife and several young children. They lived in kind of a mud hut in this village, and his neighbor actually just completely hated him because of his faith in Jesus Christ, and he wanted him dead. And so night after night, this neighbor man would come over and set fire to the roof of the Christian man's home and putting his whole entire family in danger every time he did. And the man would always wake up and put the fire out and forgive his neighbor and just continue to share the love of Christ with him, continue to forgive him. And the story says that the neighbor hated this Christian man even more because of how much love and forgiveness he was showing him. One night, the neighbor came and tried to set fire to the Christian man's home again, and a wind came up and set the neighbor's house on fire. And so the Christian man, after he got his own fire out, ran over and put the fire out on his neighbor's house and burned his arms in the process very badly. The neighbor was arrested and put into prison for constantly trying to kill this other man, and and Corey Ten Boom was talking to the Christian man about this and said, well, it's really good that this man is finally in prison because he can't put your family in danger anymore, setting fire to your house all the time. But the Christian man said, oh, I am so burdened for the man, the neighbor that is in prison. He is in this dark place and he is not surrounded by Christians. How will he ever hear about the love of God? I just want to pray that he will be rescued out of the path that, that he's chosen. And Corey Ten Boom prayed with him, and she said she had never heard such a prayer that as the one that came from this Christian man on behalf of his neighbor. He loved this man. He was so burdened for his soul. He was so full of forgiveness. And he actually prayed that not only would his neighbor come to Jesus, but that someday they would be a team to share the gospel with others. And so eventually, Corey was able to go to the prison where the neighbor was being held and shared with him about the Christian man's prayer for him. And it so moved him and so convicted him that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Christ. And he said, when I get out of here, I'm going to be a team with this Christian man, and we are going to share the gospel all around our our village, our town, and the surrounding areas. And that's exactly what happened. So here was a man who had every reason to look at this neighbor as an enemy, and instead he asked for the heart of God, the burden of God towards this man. And because of that, the man was rescued, and they became a team for the gospel. Now, those are two very extreme circumstances. You may not be in a situation where you're in a prison cell next to an insane woman, and you may not be in a situation where a neighbor is setting fire to your house. But even through those extreme circumstances, the same 
same principles can apply to our day-to-day difficult relationships. And the question we need to ask ourselves is this, am I seeing just a difficult relationship, someone who brings frustration into my life, or am I seeing a precious soul that Jesus died to save? When we have a a difficult relationship in our life, there's an opportunity sitting right in front of us for us to participate in a work of God. And so often, though, we close off to that miraculous work that God wants to do because we're just focused on our own frustration and our own annoyance. I want to share two practical ways that I believe we can be victorious in our most difficult relationships. So whatever situation you're facing, a family member, a coworker, someone who's continually rude to you, someone who is hostile towards the gospel, who persecutes you because of your faith, here are two things that I believe we can apply that are from the word of God that will usher in the power of God into any difficult relationship that we are facing. And the first one is to ask God for his burden of love toward that other person. In your own strength, there is no way that you can have this supernatural patience and grace and forgiveness for someone who is continually making your life difficult. But if you ask God for his burden of love, where you see the preciousness of the other person's soul and you see the opportunity, the desire that God has to rescue and redeem that person, you can actually become part of the miracle that God wants to do in that person's life. First Corinthians 13 talks about lasting eternal love. And it says that kind of love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And I think that is such an applicable verse for difficult relationships. So often that's where the enemy hits us first. We don't believe the person can ever change. We don't have hope that things can ever be any better. And we don't endure the difficulty of the relationship. We just want to get as far away from it as possible or lash out in harshness and anger and rudeness towards the other person. But if we are willing to consistently pray and love and show patience and shine the light of Christ in that relationship and ask God for his grace to do what we cannot do in our own strength, we will begin to see God do a powerful work in the other person's heart. Now, it may not happen right away. Believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things through the grace of God, that could be multiple months. It could be multiple years. It could be a whole entire lifetime where the person doesn't even change until right before they die. But we know that when we sow those seeds, God will water them. Corey Ten Boom has a very powerful story of forgiving a man who was in part responsible for the death of her sister in the concentration camp. She was speaking at a church after the war. This man came up to her and she recognized him as one of the cruelest guards in the concentration camp where she had been, where her sister had died. And he was extending his hand in friendship and talking about the forgiveness of God. And she said she physically could not lift her hand in friendship to him. But she prayed, she asked God, she said, Lord, I am willing to take the step if you you flood me with your grace, your love, your forgiveness for this man. So she extended her hand mechanically. And as soon as she did, she felt this incredible warmth flow through her, this incredible love. And that is what the grace of God can do when we surrender and submit to it in those difficult relationships. Here's another really great quote from Amy Carmichael. She's talking about a verse in scripture that says, admonish the disorderly, soothe them of little soul, help the weak, and be long-suffering toward all. And here was her commentary on that verse. It is evident that there were unruly, lazy, and tiresome and weak people back then, just as there are now, and they were as trying to faith and to good temper then as they are now. There's nothing flabby in these directions about how to deal with them, but I have been saved from mistake by that gentle word, soothe them of little soul. Unruliness, unreasonableness, unmannerliness, even more than some things which may be worse, have a curious power to ruffle the spirit unless it dwells deep in the love of God. 
isn't that so true? If we encounter someone who is unruly, unreasonable, unmannerly, we are so prone to be ruffled in spirit, to be shaken, and to just completely forget our our Christian witness when we're encountering something like that. But if our soul dwells deep in the love of God and we say, Lord, I can't love as you love, but you can love through me, that is when we can fulfill the command that this verse is talking about, to soothe them of little soul, to help the weak, and to be long-suffering toward all. So ask God for his burden of love toward the person or people that are most difficult for you to be around in your life. Another key point is to point the other person to Jesus. All throughout this podcast, I brought up the scripture from John the Baptist, I must decrease, but he, meaning Jesus, must increase. The way that Jesus increases through our lives is when we take a step back, we get out of the way, we get self out of the way, and let the light of Jesus come shining through us. And it is so important in our relationships that we point other people to Jesus. We don't point them to ourselves. We don't jump into the battle in a fleshly way and say, okay, I'm going to go head to head with this person and see who can be the harshest and who can be the rudest and who can outsmart the other person. But Lord, I'm going to step out of the way and let you take over. Another key point with this is that when people are coming to us who are maybe not necessarily being rude, but being a drain. They're an energy drain on us and they're very needy. A lot of us have those kind of relationships in our lives. It's so important that we give the right kind of comforts and the right kind of truth to people in that situation. Because if we give the wrong kind of sympathy, the wrong kind of comfort, it actually fosters those difficult relationships to continue. Amy Carmichael said that there is a kind of sympathy that weakens and a kind of sympathy that strengthens. When we approach those needy people in our life with a poor you, I feel so bad for you, it's so hard for you kind of attitude, we are actually fostering a dependence on us. They want that self-pity to be kind of validated in their life. But when we say, this is something you can take to Jesus, he has everything that you need, and we fasten that person's soul to Jesus Christ, we turn that person's soul to the God of all comfort, we are actually strengthening them rather than weakening them. And so that's something that requires the grace of God, because with needy people, we tend to want to give them human sympathy rather than to point them to Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, whether it's through your tone of voice, the way that you offer help and comfort to a needy soul, or even in your private thoughts toward another person who's maybe difficult for you, Make it your goal in whatever way you can to fasten their soul to Jesus Christ. So we've talked about two key principles, asking God for his burden of love for that person to see that precious soul that he sees and that amazing opportunity that he sees, and also to look for ways to constantly point that other person to Jesus Christ. Whether they're needy or they're frustrating, there is always a way to point them to Jesus Christ if we ask God to show us what that means in that specific situation. Here are a couple questions that sometimes come up when we're talking about God's principles for difficult relationships. One question might be, is it ever appropriate to confront someone who is being difficult and frustrating or even to pull back and pull away from somebody like that? I can tell you from personal experience and from studying the word of God that sometimes it is necessary and prompted by God to speak boldly into someone's life and to confront sin. It's very, very important though that we don't do that out of fleshly frustration, that we set the stage with fervent prayer 
and that we are doing that confrontation or we are approaching that situation from the right motive where our desire is to see them draw close to Jesus Christ, not to just sort of vindicate ourselves in the situation. So if we have this kind of fleshly anger and frustration, that is not the time to be confronting sin in another person's life. We need to make sure that we have a heart of love and forgiveness toward that person and a desire to see them strengthened and led closer to Jesus Christ. And that's something only God can do. And it happens through diligent, faithful prayer. It's not going to be something we should do in the heat of emotion, typically. It's going to be something that we do led by the Spirit of God through diligent prayer. And I love what Oswald Chambers said about this, that God does not give us discernment towards other people so that we can criticize, but so that we can intercede. If we begin to intercede when we see something that we're concerned about in another person's life, then God will give us the wisdom to show us if confrontation or or bold speaking of truth is is needed and how to go about that in a way that is honoring to God. The other question is, should we ever pull back or separate from a difficult relationship in our life? Sometimes that's necessary as well. If you are in a situation that is in any way abusive, it's very important to step away and not to continually put yourself in a dangerous or abusive situation. If you are in a relationship that is just constantly bringing distraction into your life and turmoil into your life, it is important to pull away. I had a woman in my life who was a good friend, but she had a lot of issues and problems in her life. And it got to the point where she was really controlling and manipulating my time. So she would text me all hours of the night. She would constantly need to talk and need counseling and need wisdom and be in a crisis and need my help. And I got to the point where I realized, you know, her involvement in my life, her neediness in my life is actually taking over. I no longer have time to sit at the feet of Jesus. I no longer have time to serve my family and the other callings that I had on my life. So I actually had to tell her, I'm going to be praying for you, but I need to take a step back from this friendship because it's taking over my life and controlling every aspect of my life. So in those kinds of situations, ask God for wisdom because it's not always more spiritual to stay in a friendship with someone who is constantly dominating your time and distracting you. But again, make sure your motives are properly aligned with the right motives of Christ, the love of Christ, and that you are doing it in a loving way gracious way and your desire is to fasten their soul to Jesus Christ. Also be aware that a lot of times the way that the enemy likes to attack Christians is by disunity and discord within the body of Christ. And the part that we can play is to resist the work of Satan if we sense that he's the one bringing discord and disunity into these friendships and relationships within the body of Christ. And also to look at the verses that where Paul says, as far as possible, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. To look at our life and say, is there anything I can do to foster peace in these relationships? And if there's something we can do, even if our part of it is tiny and the other person's is a mountain, we should still do the part that we can do. That's from Romans 12, 18. Jesus' greatest desire for the body of Christ is that we love one another. It says in John 3, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So his desire is that we would learn to love each other the way he loves us, which is a sacrificial a poured out type of love that is not conditional upon the other person doing everything perfectly. And again, that requires the grace of God, but this is also how we witness to the world and showcase the light and love of Jesus Christ to the world. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
So that kind of love can only come when we are abiding in the vine because Jesus says without him, we can do nothing, including show this kind of sacrificial love to the difficult relationships in our lives. So are there relationships, friendships, or people in your life that you need to call out to God for his enabling grace so that you can reflect the nature of Christ to them rather than constantly responding in the flesh? If so, begin to cry out to God, Lord, I need your grace. I can't love the way that you love, but you can. I don't have the wisdom for how to deal with this person, but you do, and I trust that you will give it to me. When we submit this area of our life to God, this is an area we can receive incredible victory in because he is the one doing the miracle. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. For more about bringing Christ into the center of your everyday relationships, I encourage you to visit setapartgirl.com. You'll find an online mentoring program with loads of videos about taking these truths deeper or articles and other free resources that can point you towards a Christ-centered life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.